I only say that because in this game, you start off playing as a guy named Naked Snake, who is not naked, <laughs> but that is what his name is in the beginning. Okay. Okay. Hang on. Yes. We're introducing totally new forms for matter to be arranged. Yes. I guess <laughs> solidus, naked, plasma. You know the four, the four states of being solid, liquid, solidus, and of course, naked. <laughs> Welcome back to Can't Let It Go, the show about the things stuck in our heads. My name is Matt. I use he, him pronouns. I'm AC. I use they, them pronouns. And hello, I'm Chase, and I also use he, him pronouns. Hi. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Hi, Chase. Hi. Hey. This is our friend Chase. Hello. Chase is on the Worst Garbage Network, just like we are now. Yeah. Whoa. Congratulations and welcome. Thank you. Hey, we're excited to be here. It feels strange to say welcome, being that I've been on this like maybe a month longer than you two have. So, <laughs> yeah, you were also like aware of it going on because I am really bad at keeping secrets and had to talk to somebody immediately. <laughs> you had to shout it at someone. <laughs> it's fun and exciting. You don't, yeah. Chase and his co host David run Video Game Podism. We do, which is a podcast on the Worst Garbage that I'm a big fan of. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. They just did a epically long Kingdom Hearts episode that was <laughs> well worth my time. Yeah. Thank you. It uh, was well worth the amount of time it took to produce it, which was also quite a while. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, Hell yeah. But uh, yeah, one, thank you for that uh, fine compliment. Two, uh, that episode was amazing for us personally. Both of us have like a, such a strong connection to that series that it felt like very cool to be able to explore it in depth more than just like we, we say this a lot on podtimism more than just kind of like a buyer's guide approach to a game of like should you buy it or should you not like sure. it's very value driven conversation rather than like what works and what doesn't and uh you know all, all that kind of stuff a little bit more in depth of a conversation and uh so thank you three thanks for having me i appreciate being here yeah. uh, i'm a big fan of your guys' show too so that's that's it's fun to be here i'm happy to be back in season two that's exciting it's very Whoa, cool. season two we're so yeah. official i can't believe it yeah, you're big <laughs> podcast now you're on a network you've got seasons Ooh, we're so fucking back baby <laughs> <laughs> oh man well I, I was listening to your latest episode of vegan potimism and on that episode you shouted out our yes x-men episode <gasps> yes and that's the first thing I want to talk about today. So we're start, starting a couple new segments that I think you're going to yeah. hear today. And the first of them is a callback. And I'm calling back to our X-Men episode. If you don't have any context for it, you should go listen to that episode. <laughs> Either after this or maybe pause now. I don't care. You do your life. But I wanted to say that in that episode, we talked about the potential end of the Krakoan era of mm -hmm. X-Men and talked about how I was really disappointed with how things were going. The next event was yeah. Fall of X. Um, Fall of X has begun and it's not quite the disaster that we expected, but it's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> and they announced uh, really like the true final end of, if you might remember, the Krakoan era started with House of X and Powers of Ten. And it's going to end with Fall of the House of X and Rise of the Powers of Ten. Yeah. And I uh I mean, I don't know what those books are gonna be, but it disappoints <laughs> me. It just like it like the cycle happens and yeah. like we don't I don't know, like corporate art like doesn't learn anything. 
know. Yeah, I, I think that's really fair. And I also have exponentially more context for your analysis of it now, because since <laughs> we we did that episode, I, I actually read it. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And I think that like you're you're spot on with the just like the disappointment that um, it maybe isn't quite as strong for me because I really, really enjoyed the story. But certainly mm-hmm. you have such a deep and specific connection to it that I'm bummed for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to listen when you're ready to scream about it more. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, I've been, I continue to read the X stuff in the Krakoan era. And um, most of my time these days is me spent like bracing for something to go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'm like, at what point do I just stop? Because I know it's not going to feel good anymore. <laughs> yeah, and so far sense. I haven't hit it. I've actually been reading a lot more lately. AC, did, you mentioned earlier you might have a nugget. Okay, so my nugget is um, one of an unusual kind. Usually we're bringing like a little a little something to the show, a tweet, a, a, a post some, from somewhere, I don't know. Um, but I just want to tell you a little story, Matt, um, about something that happened to me while I was in Italy. So some context for you, the listener. Um, I don't know that I've ever said my last name on this show other than when I'm telling you my social handles. My last name is Fachi. I come from a nice Italian-American family from Long Island, okay? This is the kind of information you're getting in season two now. (laughs) (laughs) I just got back um, uh, a a couple days ago from my first ever trip to Europe, specifically to Italy. I had a lovely time. On my first night there, it's also my fifth anniversary with my partner, we have a whole bottle of Prosecco before we go to dinner. Yes, I mostly yeah. drink that because my partner doesn't really drink. You know, we have a little toast, whatever. But I drink most of a bottle of Prosecco before we go to a nine-course dinner with a wine pairing. Um, okay. So here is actually it, – it, this is – so post one bottle of Prosecco, pre-seven and a half glasses of wine – I walk up to the host stand in this restaurant and I say, the man asks me, like, do you have a reservation? And I say, mind you, okay, I am in Italy. The man asks me, do you have a reservation in Italian? In Italian, I say, yes, my last name is Facci, F-A-C-C-I. In Italy, (laughs) I spelled my Italian last name for an Italian man at an Italian restaurant. Um, He stared at me for about 30 seconds (laughs) before he simply just turned and went and picked up the menus and sat us at our table and like laughed to himself. And I think that I've never been more embarrassed because what happened, Matt, was that every other place that I went where I had to give my last name, people would stop and would look up at me and be like, oh, Italian? And I'd be like, yes, I am Italian. <laughs> so I know for a fact that it wasn't just like like a, a funny little fluke, like this guy like, didn't really pick up on it. Like I really mm-hmm. was spelling it for him. No, it was um, it's, my name is identifiably Italian. <laughs> so anyway. Um, and because you were spelling it, because you have to. Because in the States, go. I have to. Everywhere here, growing <laughs> yeah. up, nobody knows how to pronounce my last name. I mean, as a child, my parents were like, maybe you should tell people that your last name is Fachi, like bocce ball. Except that <laughs> in Oklahoma, no one knew what bocce ball yeah, was in a, 1995. Not a community out there <laughs> <laughs> Yes. You know who played a lot of, yeah. you know who played a lot of bocce ball? The Italian American club that I was part of and nobody else. <laughs> Until we were like in college. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so um, 
Yeah, uh, I went to Italy and I spelled my last name for someone. Um, and that's my little nugget for you. Congrats. Honestly, worse for me than probably anyone else. I'll file it away forever. That man's look <laughs> of embarrassment on my behalf. I probably did more embarrassing things in Europe this summer than True. you did. So. <laughs> um, and then I drank a lot more wine. And somehow I, n- I, n- I was never really hungover while I was there. So it's kind of it's the magic of vacation yeah (laughs) there's no stress on the other side you know (laughs) one thing we've talked about doing is having a little segment about the things that you and i've been texting about yeah and one thing that i immediately thought that i would bring to the show whenever we were texting about it terrified (laughs) was this honestly beautiful video from hank green we love to talk about hank and john on the show big fans mostly because we like to talk about (laughs) hank and john period (laughs) hank uh it's pizza mess i'm not going to explain to you what pizza mess is Go watch some Hank and John videos. It was just Pizza Miss, so you'll find a bunch of them. Um, the point is that for years now, John has shaved, you know, whatever facial hair he had into a mustache around this time of year, every year for a, a charity event they call Pizza Miss. And Hank has never had facial hair. But one thing that happens when you go through chemo is, as he says it, you basically do a full reset on your head just roll the dice yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh you do a complete re-roll and uh the way that uh hank's head has turned out is uh basically like uh the breaking bad guy what's his name i didn't watch that show uh. <laughs> walter white as played by brian yeah. cranston there you go I, I didn't watch that show i know you did <laughs> Uh, but he looks he straight up looks like walter white and he released a video where he like shaved his facial hair into a mustache just like john does but the point of the the thing that like made me excited about this video was that he does it and then there's like a little dance montage which yeah, is to like show off all the shirts yeah to show <laughs> off all the pizza mist merch which again is uh raising money for partners in health and He's doing this dance, which is like an old school, like Hank YouTube thing. He yeah. would just like put on silly music and dance like an idiot. Yeah. I don't think it's just YouTube for the record. I think this is just how Hank is. is. Hank <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, fair. Um, and like that randomly made me really weepy. Yeah. Like it was like a really happy moment. I don't even think he like related it. No. I don't remember the context of that, but I don't think he related to anything, but just like seeing Hank like fully back in his element. Yeah. After all of that made me like like very emotional all of a sudden right it was like a little split second just like okay immediate tears and now we're back because it was like it was like it was a happy video yeah i think it was very much like the signaling of like moving through like we have Mm -hmm. moved through an era that was like a little bit difficult and a little bit challenging for reasons that we talked about right like Hank is a beloved character in Mm -hmm. our lives and in our in the ways that you and i think about the world and um there was some possibility that he wasn't going to be as in it as we as we had come to rely on him to be and now Mm -hmm. he's back and he's dancing and he's got his weird socks and his pizza miss t-shirts and facial hair and you know what we get to live a new era of hank with hank and that's fun that's exciting so are you a Hank or John Green person, Jace, at all? Yes, but, but th- through very weird avenues. I feel like people talk about their approach to either one of them from like Tumblr uh, or any of that era and stuff like that. But I watched uh, John's 
like history YouTube for a yeah. while. Yeah, yeah. Which I was obsessed with, but that was like my only in- intro to both of them. And so like when they started popping up in all these places and everybody's like, yeah, everybody loves them. Like you guys like this weird history channel too. Like <laughs> there's no way that this is like the same. You are also obsessed with tuberculosis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it turns out that they had, like they had much more of a footprint on the internet than I had uh, appreciated uh, initially. Yes. Yeah, the, the the Green Brothers and Nerdfighteria are like how I wound up on the internet, right? Yes, like yeah. back in the day. And so I did uh, also, they, you know, it just have earwormed their way into my brain in about a bajillion different ways. Yes, and while yeah. I was in Italy, anytime, you know, someone mentioned tuberculosis, of course, I immediately was like, <laughs> huh, John Green would want to know about yeah, it. Yeah. Or maybe he already does. <laughs> I, uh, I, there's a thing that I will uh, often say in like online spaces, especially, and I'm pretty sure Chase, you've seen me say it in the TWG Discord, which mm-hmm. is you can love things and critique them, and that is fully just like a quote from a random ass John Green video, yeah, like ten years ago or something. Yeah, it's it's like I feel like for a long time there was a glut of responsible adults on the internet who just knew how to like (laughs) think and approach and talk about things. And it's like nice that John and Hank were out there like, no, we can do this. We can like have a conversation about this stuff and it not be just like maddening or uh, dictated by either real children or people pretending to be children or like have the mental acuity of children yelling at each other and everything. Um, So yeah, no, it's like, and, and I would say there's probably still a glut of adults on the internet, but still, like, uh, it, it was nice when when they were around to be like, look, it can it can happen. You can you can mm-hmm. speak like a normal human being. It's great. Yeah. Well, shall we hard left turn into the main topic for today? I think so. Wow. Let's do it. Okay, so let's talk about very quickly, Chase. Yeah. Why you are here <laughs> today? We're going to be talking about Metal Gear Solid. We sure are. Which is a video game that I have never played, and AC have. When is the first time you heard of Metal Gear Solid? When you told me we were doing this episode. Yes. That is what I, I think, expected. I think, Matt, when we were talking about it, I asked you to tell me what the game was about, and you did tell me, and I already forgot. So, Chase, I don't know what I would have told you. This is perfect, yeah. I am a blank. I am tabula rasa. <laughs> I'm a blank slate for you to imprint your opinions upon. I love And this. I will carry them into the world for yeah. you. And I know you, Chase, yeah. as a big Metal Gear guy. Yes, I am. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I played all of them pretty much like close to or on release. The first one came out when I was still like fairly young, came out in Mm -hmm. or the Metal Gear Solid. The first one came out in 98. And so like I'm not old enough to be understanding what like nuclear deterrence is. Right. But that's in there. And so like, yeah. <laughs> I, okay. uh, I, I had played that one with like my brother and my dad at the time. And they, I think they had appreciated a little bit more than I did. But I played two on release, three on release, and like the rest of them, except for the uh, five, which I just like haven't. Yeah, I've been a huge fan of them forever. I think they have a very special brand of like absurdity in video games that I really, really like. It's just truly bizarre, a lot of the things that happen in this game, but they are taken very self-seriously a lot of the time. So Mm. oftentimes you're kind of looking at the screen like, I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to interpret what just happened Mm. uh, in any way, which is like games just didn't really engage with any sort of like, I, I, I... hesitate to call it style for a while because that was definitely happening Mm. but i think there was a lot less intention behind a lot of how the games were made other than just like how do we as engineers build this thing that we're trying to build rather than like 
how do we want it to feel? How do we think somebody should feel while they're playing it or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Um, it may have been that mechanically, but uh, in the sort of combination of aesthetic and, and narrative and mechanics together, I know what you mean. Yes. Yeah. It, 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 cause like obviously like Nintendo had been doing their thing for a while and I think that they mm-hmm. were considering a lot of that a lot earlier than other game companies were, but like for a long time it was just like, I don't know, shoot the bad guys. Like that's the video game we have. Um, <laughs> sure. So, so you, I just, you say that yes. and, um, to me, the idea that Metal Gear Solid mm-hmm. was anything but shoot the bad guys yes, yeah. was news to me Like when I became <laughs> a part of the worst garbage community. Yeah. Right? So you and uh, AJ did mm-hmm. an asynchronous episode. Shout out to another show on the network <laughs> um, where you talked about, uh, you know, the Metal Gear Solid. Was it a collection when the collection was announced? Um, I th- Yeah. So the collection got announced alongside Metal Gear Solid Delta, which is a remake of mm. 3 which is what AJ and I were kicking around because we were just like very unsure about how to feel about it. Yeah. And I know that like listening to you and listening to them talk about it, I have learned a little bit more of, you know, this idea that there was intentionality, intentionality there that this is, and this will mean something maybe to me and you and some listeners that it's a Kojima joint. Yes. Right. And like that, that means that there's intentionality behind it just inherently because of the person that he is and the things that he makes. But I just, I have always thought of these games and maybe until around like 2020 as mm-hmm. like, like man shoot thing. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and shoot thing cool. And <laughs> yes, I, I don't know. I'm re- I'm ready for you to sort of like blow that apart. I know yeah. there's like, I sent you some questions earlier, but one of the things is like, I know now that there's some sort of like meta commentary going on, mm-hmm. that, but I don't, I don't know about what and I'm, I'm curious to know. <laughs> Yes, because um, it's that sounds like the stuff that I personally would like. Yeah, but I'm the barrier of it being, frankly, just like a, a sort of war focused yeah. story is is a big one for me. Yeah, totally. It, it I I think the uh, I'll get into Hideo in a second. I have I have ten pages of notes that I would like to speak on. Um, <laughs> but um, Hideo is uh, Hideo Kojima, the like producer, director, writer on almost all of these games. Uh, he's very influenced by film. And so I think uh, you see the aesthetics of war films a lot in these games. You see a lot of the marketing around it um, and even the mechanics like you are dude shoot guy. That is part mm-hmm. of the the game, but not I wouldn't say to nearly the extent that like gaming at large was at the time. Like mm-hmm. it's not nearly sure. as like hoorah as like a Call of Duty. Right. Um, okay. I'd say most of the commentary or at least the game's opinion about uh, like soldiers in the military industrial complex is one that is like more closely aligned with myself than like call of duty is like kind of implicitly being like, I mean, war is kind of sick, right? Like that's part of what <laughs> call of duty is saying. Whereas I think metal gear is like, it's cool to have a big mech and that's maybe like aesthetically pleasing, but like this kind of sucks. And like, we're all driving towards like not great stuff by building these big old weapons. Mm. I where do where do you want me to start? I'm happy to go wherever just from the top of this big Google Doc I have. At this point this is your show. Okay, perfect. So Great. You can drive it how you want. I just wanted to ask those early questions. Yeah, sure. Um yeah, it's just to kind of put a a, a bow on top of that. I think that it is war by way of anime in a weird way. Like <laughs> there's just a lot of bizarre stuff happening in there. Yeah. Um that I don't like I I think 
if you just showed this to like a random boomer dad, he wouldn't be like, oh yeah, hell yeah, I remember Saving Private Ryan. This is like right there in there. It's mm-hmm. like totally the same thing. Um, that there is more commentary in there, but it does have like the kind of inherited tropes of uh, like war movies from like the 80s and like spy movies mm-hmm. from like the 80s and 90s and kind of disaster flicks from that era too. So can I start with a little bit of preamble, some history? Please, let's get into it. Great. So uh, we're mostly going to be talking about Metal Gear Solid. Uh, that is the the series that uh, is getting a collection soon. Whenever you listen to this, I think. And actually, the day that this comes out should be the day that that collection releases. Hey. Perfect timing. Strike <laughs> hey. all the irons hot. Wow. <laughs> we said SEO hoomst. <laughs> <laughs> um, but <clears throat> so the the Metal Gear uh, Solid collection is mostly centered around the solid games. But this was a series before that. There was a, a couple of games called Metal Gear. Um, that were on the uh, MSX2 computer and then eventually for the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. Mm. Um, Those had come out in 1987 and I think 89. Yeah, 89 as well. And they are like, for my money, really tough to play. They feel very aged. Um, that means a lot coming a- from you. Agent. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm like a freak. Uh, yes, I too am agent. <laughs> I like, I'm, I'm a freak for the like PS1 era aesthetic. I really like how those games look, despite the fact that they're like not really depicting what people look like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like blocks on a screen. Um, but even still, like, I, I think it, it is a stealth game on the Nintendo, which is just like kind of a tough sell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty challenging and, and pretty hard, but, uh, it, it covers a little, there, there's a little bit of story that is helpful to know if you're, uh, going into the Metal Gear Solid series first. Um, and it's not very long. There's a lot of stuff that happened in those games, but the main thing is that there is a dude named Solid Snake and he was part of a, I know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he sorry. is part of a unit called Foxhound. Um, we'll, we'll get into the sexual innuendo of it all. It's very bizarre. Um, but, uh, he's part of a unit named Foxhound who is like infiltrating these bases and destroying these like bipedal tank things called metal gear. Um, Mm. like, I did not know that that is what a metal gear was. It's like a big tank. It's like a big destructive tank thing. Um, are there non-destructive tanks? Uh, yeah, I, I have a list of all my (laughs) friends, friendly tanks that roam around my city. The, the, your friendly tankies. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, (laughs) um and in in those games you also encounter a character named big boss uh who used to be a mentor to solid snake here's where we're entering all the anime shit where it's just like that's a real name of a character in this video game big boss yes exactly um so that's pretty much it at some point you fight big boss's snake and uh supposedly defeat him um and that is part of it wait okay yes can you say that again yes uh, so 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 you are you playing as Solid Snake in in those games and in Metal Gear Solid you are playing as Solid Snake yes okay but but Big Boss also has a snake I think he said as Snake yes yeah you oh, I you see. kill him I see. as you snake. don't yeah. I I see I, I I thought you said you fight Big Boss's snake so you Solid <laughs> Snake fight and that's not what was happening not I thought exactly. it was more sexual than um, yeah. you were you were implying yes, okay yes. I'm, I'm here now okay thank you. perfect thank you um uh, <laughs> so. That's a little bit of preamble. Um, I do want to touch on who Hideo Kojima is because his person is all over these games. 
there is a guy named Hideo Kojima who uh, he did produce the first Metal Gear game, the one that came out on the NES, mm. um, and then eventually joins back up uh, during the like solid era to serve as like director, producer, and writer on the remaining series. I like don't really subscribe or want to encourage like the auteur concept of like anything, let alone video games. Right? Interesting. Um, so like I I don't believe that he is the only person that is shaping these video games. Like there's a lot of people that work with him. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, he's all over the fucking thing. Like he's he's right. got his hand in almost every pot of the video game making process. And so I think it's like important to know like who this dude is because you will see his influence on a lot of this stuff thematically you see him returning to things like geopolitics like war uh love very often in a lot of these games and this like very like postmodern approach to player agency in video games and so and specifically he is incredibly interested in looking at like what get what can games do that movies or novels or anything can't right Mm -hmm. obviously he is uh he, he mentions this in a lot of his interviews that he's very influenced by film and so uh, a lot of the shots in his games look like a film. A lot of the direction oftentimes come off, comes off like a film. Um, he, he catches some flack for this because sometimes the cutscenes are like, you play a little bit, you put the controller down, and 20 minutes later you can pick it back up because he's done mm-hmm. telling you a story. Um, yeah. I don't mind that because I'm like along for the ride. I'm just like, yeah, dude, like give me whatever nonsense <laughs> you're ready to tell me. Right. But uh, that that is something he does. But he in in almost every one of these games agency as a player is something that he's just hammering on of like do you have a choice in this uh what does it mean if you do or don't <laughs> like what mm-hmm. what do either of those things uh, uh do they matter here and i think you see other series of, of of video games eventually returning to that question right like undertale is a very good example of like mm-hmm. what does player agency mean I I honestly think that that one hits it a little harder because there are consequences to you believing that you do or don't have choices and then acting upon that. Right. Can you give like 15 seconds? I know the answer, but yes. can you give 15 seconds for just like the listener yeah. on why that's the case in Undertale? Yeah, essentially in, in Undertale there. <laughs> so it, nice. Of, sorry. So nice of you to say that it was for the listener <laughs> and not for me, Matt. But it was for me. He meant it for me, Chase. <laughs> I am... Uh, incredibly used to being on video game podcasts so please interrupt me when i'm just flying off the handle (laughs) um going way too deep on on a specific video game but to answer it for the listener um (laughs) (laughs) for the listener for sure yes yeah uh in, in undertale it's a game that asks you to proceed through this world it's got a very linear story but there are beats of this game where uh you have to fight someone and uh you can do it in the in the way that games usually ask you to do it by hitting the attack button and beating them up until they go away or there is usually another way to get through it Mm. either by uh choosing an option in a drop down where it says like talk or comfort or pet the dog or something like that that there is a way through this game that is completely pacifistic you don't have to actually hurt anybody and it's usually not obvious that that is the case until maybe you get about halfway through the first time you play it or you fully beat it and then realize, like, God, I didn't have to do a lot of that, did I? Interesting. But Undertale makes the smart decision to make it really hard to do that. I was going to say, that's the thing, right? Is that it's, yeah. it's really difficult. Like, the game gets harder if you're trying to be merciful. Yeah. Essentially, uh, if you fight people, you level up and get more health, and the game becomes easier. But if you don't, you don't ever level up. You just have 10 or 5 or whatever hearts that you do at the beginning. And so the game is really challenging to make it through without actually hurting anybody. 
which is just like a, a stroke of genius. It is so smart because like it is offering that there is maybe a quote unquote right thing to do in this game, mm-hmm. but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of like morality in video games often comes down to like, do you want to choose the good option or the bad option? Do you want to be like yeah. a comically evil bad guy or like just a normal person? And so it it is much more in line with how it feels to try and do good in real life that it's not easy to do that oftentimes. It's not just a, a, the difference of like, I'm going to choose the the top right dialogue option because that's usually the one that's like the nice version. It's uh it's harder than that. And so I, and and takes a lot of like conscious thought and consideration of like how do I want to do this? And so I I think Undertale definitely approaches it in a way that is uh pushing on this medium. But Metal Gear Solid 1 came out in 98. So like a little bit earlier than that, right? We're we're dealing with a different set of like assumptions and abilities to push that trope but i think it is hitting on a similar idea of how do, how does it make you feel to be per like maybe robbed of the autonomy that you would mm-hmm. expect in like either a more open game or just real life right yeah mm-hmm. um and what does that mean like a, as a player so that's uh that's something you'll see from him like very often is is there a like is this just like something that he does over and over again or is there like a thing about kojima that leads to stories about war and stories about agency um i mean i i think obviously he's influenced by film and there's a lot of fucking war movies so like i wonder if that's just like (laughs) something he knows and i think agency is inherent to video games and so like Mm -hmm. that's an easy thing to push on not easy but like it is it is an avenue you can push on just because like in a movie i don't get a choice whether or not you know anybody makes any decision in those movies i'm just sort of there i'm passive whereas inherently games are a more active medium Mm -hmm, and so the the difference between those two things is agency so like if you're looking for specifically what can a video game do that a movie can't that's it and then how do we how do we mess with that to um tell a story that's compelling and could only be told in a video game so yeah video games man uh (laughs) (laughs) Let me start at Metal Gear Solid 1. Let me let me just get a little bit of a rundown on this guy. Uh, so like I mentioned, this one comes out September 3rd of 1998. And it, it's worth kind of setting the stage of what other things are going on then in like media and just the world, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The other hot games that year, you've got uh, Half-Life, which comes out, which is a shooter, wildly popular first person shooter that like pushes the genre, but not in necessarily the story way it is telling a cool story but like not i wouldn't say to the to the depth that metal gear solid is uh resident evil 2 comes out it's shooting zombies like that's 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 the video game uh the very first Baldur's gate comes out that year wow which is very fun people like it uh and ocarina of time also comes out that year A, a very influential game but i think a game that is telling a story in a very different way than metal gear uh solid does also, hey, it's we're right in the middle of the second Clinton administration. I was about to say the the number one thing that uh, goes to the top of my list in 1998 is Bill Clinton was impeached. Yes, yeah, that is that is currently happening at this moment. Uh, we are getting closer to about ten years after the end of the Cold War. In the world of Metal Gear Solid, the Cold War lasted a little bit longer, but it is very much still dealing with the fallout. Pun very intended of the 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 uh, the Cold War. Also, because Hideo is so influenced by film, helpful to look at what's going on at this time, right? Biggest movies that year, Titanic, Armageddon, Saving Private Ryan, Deep Impact, Godzilla, all very like big 
one big bad thing is happening in those movies. And Godzilla famously, you know, looking at you know nuclear warfare. Yes, yeah. right. Like I can I can see I can see where influences are being drawn. Yeah, and and so I think that there are a lot of these like there's an orbit around nuclear power. And like, I'm, you know, not a, a media historian or anything like that, but it feels like that's still on the minds of people making games and movies of the time is that like the Cold War is quote unquote over, but it's still the 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 feelings about it are still very there and present. Very much so. And like I'm, nuclear proliferation and nuclear pro- proliferation agreements are still like really new yeah. in that era. Yeah. And also, you know, I think the other big thing that's happening at that time is like a lot of nuclear power is become is uh, like a lot of community conversations are happening around whether or not to expand nuclear power in right. communities. But no, you're right that like the people are still grappling with like, what does it mean to live in this era where it's not just one big superpower has nukes and the other one does too. And we're all just kind of staring at each other, waiting for somebody to blink. Um, It's a lot more of like, okay, what if more countries have a nuke? And what if, like, are we going to invest in nuclear power? Is that a thing that we're doing? And so there's just a lot of these, like, feelings up in the air about this kind of stuff. What this game covers, like I mentioned, you play as Solid Snake once again. Uh, This is a little bit after the events of the first couple of games. And so he has to come out of retirement for for this game. He, He is already a little bit older and a little bit more, like, bitter by this moment mm-hmm. and and so it's like already kind of a different approach than uh the normal video game approach which is like quippy young guy comes in and beats up all the bad guys right this is a little right. it's a different story about kind of an older dude who is like not totally on board with everything that's going on in the situation uh i just wanted to mention that hideo was also very influenced by the idea for this game of the great escape the movie mm-hmm. um and he, he he wanted to make a movie about running away and not killing anybody mm. And uh, the the his like producers were like, dude, that sucks so bad. Like we're never <laughs> we're gonna sell no video games if you do that. Um, and so he's like, okay, fine. What if I did like a game where maybe you're not uh, running away the whole time, but at the very least, like there are passive ways through this game where you don't have to like kill anybody, and maybe just like you know the big moments are are the moments that you come to blows with someone mm. and uh it's it's worth mentioning at this point that he brings on this artist named uh yoji shinkawa to do the art direction for this game um if you have seen concept art of metal gear solid you will see this dude's work um let me real quick drop a couple of pngs <laughs> in the uh Ooh. in the chat here oh i've definitely seen this yes um these are pretty recognizable if you've seen any of the concept art before. And essentially this dude, Yoji Shinkawa, he's like taking a pretty big influence from uh, the like kind of dramatic French comic artist style. Um, right. Mobius specifically, I think is a pretty clear influence here where you're not seeing specific edges on someone's character design. It's a little bit more like floaty on the edges over there. The The shadows are all incredibly dramatic. There's our boy. There's Solid Snake. It's the guy. <laughs> I just like, I don't know if AC, if you've ever seen Solid Snake before. No. So. Yeah, it's him. That's the one. <laughs> wow. And so like you had mentioned, Matt, we're we're in the aesthetics of a uh, guy with gun, right? Right. Um, but I think there is a little bit more consideration to like who these characters are through the artwork here. Yeah. You know what this reminds me of? Mm. Um, actually, is it on my wall? It is. Um, the... Uh, 
Jessica Jones like cover that is one of my favorite Marvel snap cards. Yes, yeah. It like it reminds me of that style, the kind of like watercolor, like you said, not not really clear edges. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. It's I mean it's a kind of a beautiful style. This yeah. is slightly different than that, but um it's very interesting. Yeah, totally. And and like definitely the you know, comics are a big source or place where this style ends up, right? And so it's it it's interesting to see this applied to a video game again, just because like most of the like eighties and seventies approach to art design and games was like kind of to just do a movie, right? Right. For a lot of the like dark fantasy era of movies and games, you just have like a big yoked dude on the cover with a sword and it looks like a movie poster, you know? <laughs> and that that's most of it. But I think there is an approach here that you get to see a little bit different of a a, a style for for what's going on. Anyway. So you're a solid snake. You're going in and uh, you're infiltrating this place called Shadow Moses um, that has been taken over this by this uh, like splinter group uh, also named Foxhound. They've taken over this base and uh, it's like a, a research facility where uh, they were doing research on something. Uh, it, it's it's Metal Gear. The thing that they are <laughs> researching is a big a big tank that uh, has a nuke on it. Mm. And so the the value of that is that if you are in the Cold War, you know where these nukes are coming and it, you might be able to neutralize a country if uh, mm. they suddenly decide to have nukes. Whereas if someone has a Metal Gear, they're uh, hard to track and it can go kind of wherever. It's like these bipedal, almost chicken dinosaur looking creatures, the the Metal Gear. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, they, they potentially have a nuke on them. So it's like a very dangerous thing for somebody to get their hands on one of these. Mm. But this base has been taken over. And these people are demanding the a the remains of Big Boss, if you remember our, our fella from the preamble there, and also a billion dollars from the U.S. government. One billion. One dollars. billion dollars uh, within twenty four hours, or they're going to use this weapon called Metal Gear Rex uh, to launch a nuke at the U.S. It poses a bit of a threat, so uh, the U.S. government calls calls our boy Solid Snake into it. And uh, he is supposed to go in there and figure this problem out. He is helped out by some friends on what's called a codec. It's a, it's a cell phone. He's just calling his buddies. And uh, his your main point of contact here is this guy named Roy Campbell, who is like your your man in the chair kind of situation of like, here's what your mission is. Here's what you need to do. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to lead you along and all sort of stuff. But there's a bunch of people in there that you can call. I will say that there, there are some bummer parts about the game and how it tells its story because initially uh, Snake is pretty horny. And makes that pretty clear to some of the people who he's working with, which I'm like, dog, like you're you're on a sneaking <laughs> mission. And you're taking time to hit on the person who like when you call, you can save your game through her. Wow. Oh, God. You know, it's 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 I think, again, we're inheriting from 80s and 90s movie tropes. And that's one sure. of them. Right. Is like this. This guy's a man's man and he's going to hit on everybody and everybody wants him. So it's OK. Right. Like that kind of stuff right. is is in there. I will say that it. It dissipates a little bit as the game goes through as it starts kind of hitting its a plot that it is not quite as weird towards uh the people that you're talking to there's definitely still weird like sexual opinions in this game but that's that's yeah you know it you've seen a 90s movie i was gonna say it also continues though deeper into the series as far as i know because the other thing that i'm aware of from the Metal Gear series more generally is just Quiet, the character. Yes, yeah. Quiet was a real fucking miss on Hideo's part. I don't know what the <laughs> hell he was doing there. It looks like AC doesn't know what Quiet is either, so... <laughs> it's, it's, I don't need to know. It's okay. It's like a, it's a sniper lady and she breathes through her skin. So she has to wear very little clothes? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't 
like that. Yeah, no. it's not a. No good... one did actually. Yeah, no. I... <laughs> the, no, I don't like that. It's, it's pretty stupid, and it's like their first the game, like games industry's first attempt at being like, okay, it's a part of their character, right? Mm-hmm. But like the 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 swing we got there is like that's a dumb fucking character, man. Yeah, that's yeah, not this, a good this, attempt this, at this. This bikini top is actually like a medically assistive device. Yes, exa- exactly. Um, it it holds everything in place. Yeah, <laughs> and I like I I will say that uh, th- there's more stuff to get into here, but like. I'm not a person who thinks that like sex or sexuality shouldn't be in games. I think it should. Right. Correct. But like just handle it better, man. Like it's it's got to be got to write it well. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of the time it's just not in these games. I will say 2 has a little bit more to say about it in a way that is actually interesting. Mm-hmm. Um a few more opinions on gender, which I'm like, yeah, let's 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 get in there. In but, Metal Gear Solid 2. Yes. <laughs> wow. Um yeah, for for uh, there there are parts of it that are not not great. Just you know, look, everybody play Hades and come back to me and tell me you don't know how to write a better sexual character. <laughs> um, uh, so I mean, it also we'll give it that it was 1998. Yes, like, we'll, yeah, we'll give it a little bit of leeway there. I I think there are moments here that yeah, they're just kind of like taking what is working at the time and doing that. I think it gets less cool as the series goes on where it's like, okay, we're creeping into 2010 here, y'all. Like mm-hmm. we we maybe should have better writing. Uh-huh. I, I I agree. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree, but it's worth remembering that How I Met Your Mother, where yes, one yes. of the char- main character's whole deals was that he was a sleaze, um, yeah. like was still a very popular show in 2010. Totally. So yes. One that uh, you and I watched a lot. That I watched <laughs> obsessively. Yeah. It's part of why I bring it up. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, totally. It's, it's, uh, thank you, Hank Green, for we can love things and criticize them. <laughs> That's all, always, always. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, uh, wander through this facility as snake you're doing a lot of sneaking you're trying not to be seen which is the b- kind of the big point of this game is that it is sneaking right you're you're trying not to get caught in these situations and a lot of the time you do have ways to do it in a way that doesn't kill anybody a lot mm-hmm. of the times you can just sort of like choke someone to the point where they like pass out and then you can just kind of leave them there and progress through of course you do have obviously like killing ways to do it but i think that the game is interesting for even having that in 1998 that mm-hmm. there is an uh, a, a less violent option mm-hmm. in these games uh all that happens i probably don't want to spoil what happens in this entire game mm-hmm. but i i think that like some of the thematic stuff that comes up is pretty interesting and i can probably talk about that without like totally blowing what's ha- happening here yeah um i think when i was we we replayed this last year for podtimism and, and went through it and i think one of the things that was the most surprising to me was this like criticism of the military industrial complex you meet pretty early on in the game this guy named uh baker who is a uh <laughs> yes no snap no step on snake please sorry <laughs> no, sorry this has been circling around in my little yes, brain i was absolutely. like this must exist i can't this can't be an original thought <laughs> we'll put it in the uh sorry. in the chapter art sorry. for you i'm yes, being no, unhelpful i'm being unhelpful no this is helpful chase, it's chase. good it's good continue please. um my my co-host david is the chaos agent on our podcast and so he's constantly <laughs> trying to just tear me away from whatever thought i'm on so i'm well practiced don't worry okay 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 i'm um, sorry no you're good you're good uh so you meet this guy named baker um who works for like the in-game equivalent of like raytheon mm. and mm. he in, in this world he's essentially saying that like there are these like smaller nations that are trying to get a hold of nuclear weapons, but the world has essentially found like a kind of peace that we are not currently just totally at each other's throats. 
And like, you know, that I think that is a simplification of what was going on in the 90s. But in this world, that is kind of how they're interpreting it. And he says, like, our, our companies were just losing so much fucking money. Like we nobody needed the newest fighter jet anymore because we had kind of come to a standstill. And so they started this like dark project, right, that nobody knew about where they're building this Metal Gear to essentially intentionally throw off the power balance in the world Mm. to be like, we're going to make this. We're probably going to give it to the United States, but we're definitely going (laughs) to sell it to them. And if other countries want to buy it, we'll sell it to them, too. Mm -hmm. And so they're intentionally poking the bear essentially and being like hey peace is not selling for us we need to make more money so how do we do that how do we really fuck this like kind of temporary armistice among among the major world powers it's so interesting that we're seeing this not that like war narratives and and profiting off Mm -hmm. of war was like a new concept but we're seeing this Mm -hmm. before Mm 9-11 in video games yes yeah Uh, that is shocking to me it was surprising to me too because i was again when i played this when i was eight absolutely no fucking clue what is happening (laughs) (laughs) nothing is is getting through my skull but replaying and i'm like that's a pretty surprising narrative for 98 you know Mm -hmm. that they're engaging Mm -hmm. with this at all in a video game i think that like movies and books definitely were right like mm-hmm. fucking noam chomsky's been out here for decades and decades talking about this before metal gear came along but like right. the, the the fact that it's in a video game in a genre or a medium of art that constantly takes violence as an assumption that like that mm-hmm. is going to be your mechanic and we are implicitly kind of supporting it by even having it as an assumption is suddenly being like, well, yeah, like big companies do this kind of shit where they will just totally fuck everybody over for their bottom line, you know, mm-hmm. which is surprising and interesting and cool. I like that. You see, you look like you had a thought there. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just thinking about like global events like uh, pre this. I mean, so this is post Desert Storm, right? Like, yes, like yeah. I'm 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 thinking about like it is easy for us to forget with how strong of a like pro-America, pro-militaristic response there was after 9-11 that like those kinds of sentiments were maybe less uncommon than we might think, right? Like it's it's easy to think of like the reason that everyone coalesced around this ultra-patriotic message and framing in 2001 was because that was an underlying like undercurrent, like that was an undercurrent of the social order before then. But I mean, I think it's also worth pointing out that right the creator of this game as well as like many of our parents right are people who came of age during the vietnam war and then the korean war and then right so so two wars that were not particularly popular right Mm -hmm. especially in their consequences for many american families um and then desert storm added to that instead of like you know creating a new um winnable war um so for for the u.s so i I don't know i I think that's interesting i it's just something to think about i'm learning new stuff this is cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally no it's it i find it to be a rare opinion at least from video game designers of the time yeah um at least in the in the work that they are producing Um, yeah that i mean that makes sense to me you are 100 percent right that the majority of video games especially at this time but just the majority of video games are yeah point and shoot right yeah. like <laughs> yeah totally from from that angle it does feel a little bit more rare at least for that moment but yeah uh yeah no i mean again i'm, I'm i ain't no historian so i don't know what the fuck people were thinking i was eight we're I, not here to be experts <laughs> we're just here to talk yes. shit okay? no totally, okay? totally. <laughs> yeah, I hear 
So yeah, I, I when playing it, that was a surprise for me. Yeah. They have like a kind of weird cast in this game. Most of the members of Foxhound are like cartoonishly strange people. Foxhound being the group that has taken over Shadow Moses, this like place. Mm-hmm. One of them is uh, the kind of main antagonist is Liquid Snake. Uh, very fun naming convention. Love to see it. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Okay. Yes, yes. All right. Are Solid Snake and li- Liquid Snake related? They are, in fact. Are they that brothers? I did not know. Yes. Uh, well, wow. there's some okay. there's some question about this, and I might okay. blow a plot point if I tell you why. I, you know what? I will never I will never play. So you can either tell me later, or listener, you can cover your ears sure. unless that is pushing the headphones farther into your ears. I am case. personally good with spoilers, even if I <laughs> perfect. Things. I don't think this how is how long how long has this spoiler existed in the world? Uh, since since uh, November of 1998, so quite okay, a while. I think you're allowed okay. to spoil We're it. We're good. It's, <laughs> It's been it's been almost thirty sure. years, and I, I like I wouldn't even say that this is like the big thing about this game, but uh, both Solid and Liquid Snake are uh, they were part of this. Uh, God, I can never remember the name, but like a cloning program essentially, mm. where they took a bunch of big bosses' DNA and said we're gonna re we're gonna clone Whoa. the world's best soldier uh, and yeah. put him out into the world, and so both of them are clones of Big Boss. Um, uh, Liquid seems to think that Solid Snake is the perfect clone, but uh, st- the story may be different than what he thinks. There um, is is there a plasma snake or a, a gaseous snake? I've Just... got I've got amazing news for you. <laughs> when <laughs> we when serious? we get to Metal Gear Solid Two, I will I will uh, show you another form of snake. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just casting him out wildly. I did yeah. not expect to be hitting anything. Yes. Yeah, that, that that also tells me a little bit about like why uh, is it Foxhound mm-hmm. was like maybe looking for Big Boss's remains or something. Mm. Yes, no, there there is a hope that they can reproduce the world's best super soldier to essentially make an army of people that could fuck with any nation on on the planet. Right. Mm. So they're they're trying to get those remains from the U.S. government. Okay, you know what? I'm not going to try to apply logic. I there forget. may I... be an answer in the video game. They go pretty okay. hard okay. on okay. on okay. genetics and my sequence and what is predetermination and all that sort of stuff Ooh, in this game. Listen, I liked Gattaca. I I could get into it. <laughs> yes, exactly. So in the the other thing I kind of want to hit on with one is that uh, there is this like very strange blurring of a line between reality and video game that this game does. Mm. Oh, interesting. The most notable upfront one is that they, whenever they cut to certain cutscenes, like the one I was telling you about with Baker, who was talking about the military industrial complex, they're using real world footage of like nuclear arms tests and like mm. footage of wars and shit like that, which doesn't sound necessarily wild on the face of it. But for like when I was playing this as a kid, I was like, wait, is this real? Like, are, are they mm. showing me things that are like actually in real life? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. because like your brain or at least mine did sees this real world footage and sort of while someone's doing voiceover connects it to like is this a real thing that they're talking about is this a real thing that has happened yeah i think having the context of history is helpful because you can say like no but uh the, the the game is intentionally kind of poking at like there is some of this that is real and we're gonna yeah. blur that line a little bit to tell stories that maybe feel true about like how shitty the military industrial complex is 
without actually saying like, well, yeah, they have Metal Gears in Area 51, of course. Right, right. It's a, a speculative fiction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing is that media has done this. It's a, to the point that like now it's a trope. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I'm thinking of Avengers 2 when Ultron rises, they're showing, oh. you know, like archive clips and, and stuff. Yeah. But like, I think the interesting thing and, and I, I don't know, I haven't played this, yeah. is that maybe in a time when video game graphics just like weren't as good. Yes. A yeah. hard cut to reality right is far more effective yeah. than in something like call of duty when they're showing archival footage yeah it, it totally was and just like the contrast between those depictions of life are so drastic like we have a, a a nice jpeg of solid snake in the chat right now and that's not what a human <laughs> looks like that's not a real person and what? not only that in this in this game when somebody speaks their mouth doesn't move their head just kind of bobbles a little bit so you can see that like they're speaking and so yeah to cut to like real life lbj shaking hands with somebody and like talking about like nuclear arms is like this is feels different than what i was just seeing yeah there's a couple of other instances of this one of which you may have heard of before or not is that at some point and it's actually after that baker scene uh he's like hey you need to call uh roy campbell's daughter who was at this site she's here right now and she can help you with your uh your mission her name is meryl and uh, to find her like codec number, it's on the back of the box. And in, in context, that makes no fucking sense. I know about this. Yes. But if you look on the f- literal physical back of the Metal Gear Solid box, you can see a conversation with Meryl and it says her codec name or number in there. That's fucking wild. Yeah. I love that shit. Yes. A, <laughs> yeah. A, an extremely Hideo thing to do of like just without any pomp and circumstance have a video game character talk directly to the person playing it and be like it's on the box yeah you got you got to go check the box yeah which is different than these games where they talk to the character and say hey you got to press a to jump it's not that it is campbell or baker telling you yeah man here's what you have to do specifically as a person in real life (laughs) and so that's another instance of the game just again trying to blur the edges a little bit of like this is not just a contained experience. It's the, it has effects elsewhere. Chase, did you play Assassin's Creed Revelations? Um, no. Which one was that? It's the third of uh, the AC2 series. Assassin's Creed Revelations. So there was Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed 2, uh-huh. Brotherhood, uh-huh. and Revelations. I may have, but I don't remember an inch of this video game. That's fine. Yeah. I was obsessed with the that particular trilogy of Assassin's Creed. Yeah. And... Another spoiler for another old game, <laughs> but um, a lot of people, the thing they hate about Assassin's Creed is like the the sort of present day futuristic yeah. kind of storyline. I've always enjoyed it. No, I'm, I thought I'm it was crazy cool. about that shit. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really cool. And that game ends with Ezio Auditore. Yeah. Um, and Could you spell that basically... in Italian for me, please? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> A-D-A. <laughs> Um, basically going into this ancient aliens, spooky, you know, temple yeah, and talking to the, uh, sort of miles character from the future, but also talking to the person playing the video game. Yes. Yeah. And like, that was the first time I encountered something like that. And you're watching these sort of like three characters. Cause it references the, uh, the first game's main character as well. You're watching these three characters and you're already kind of like, what the fuck? This is so cool. They're mm-hmm. like seeing each other through time. And then it like the like voice speaks to you. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it like it like has to call out. No, I'm speak. I'm talking to you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and it was like, I don't know. That was 
10, 15 years later. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and cool. I, as a person who hasn't played metal gear, it's cool seeing that like it's referencing at least in video games, a thing that had happened long before. Yeah, no, totally. And it's again, it, it, I think this touches on sort of Hideo's approach to this like postmodern kind of storytelling where the line of reality is not clear. There's a book that I'm going to bring up when we talk about Metal Gear Solid 2 called City of Glass, uh, Paul Oster book. And like, in it, this same kind of stuff happens where like there's a character in the game named Paul Oster. And so like, are, are you supposed to assume that this is autobiographical? Is this a real story? It, like what is what is true about this? And so it's a tactic that you see applied to other mediums. But when it does to video games, because you have this like agency, it can be to me at the time I was it was scary. Like mm-hmm. most of the feelings that I feel about it are fear because I'm like this. It, it sort of suggests that like there's a ghost in the machine and like something is either aware or someone is aware that I'm currently playing this or something like that. And this all sort of culminates uh, later in the game to a very famous scene. I think if you've been on the internet or like heard about metal gear solid one, they will talk about this fight with this guy named psycho mantis. And it is this scene where you come in, he's like, he can like read, read your mind. Like that's his power. He essentially has superpowers in this real world, right? Like mm-hmm. he's able to control people with his mind. He, uh, by that point you're traveling with Roy Campbell's daughter, Meryl, who is like trying to be a soldier, but she's like, hasn't held a gun before. Mm-hmm. She's an interesting character and there is a lot of mishandling of her too, but, uh, she's, she's with you at that point and Psychomantis like takes her over and starts like controlling her via his mind and something that he does to the player which is uh, again to me at the time horrifying the the game shows him just from just a front-on angle he's looking like at you like we are looking at each other and he's like all right i want you to put your controller on the table in front of you and i'm gonna move it with my mind and then <laughs> the controller starts rumbling and of course it just kind of jitters around the right. uh, the table for a little while. He then will scan your memory card if you're playing on PlayStation 1 to see if you've played any other Konami games and will be like, "Oh, you're a fan of Castlevania. What a what a cool game series you're into." <laughs> or depending on if you have saved a lot or a little while you're playing the game, he'll say you're very cautious. You're a cautious player, saving very often. Or like, I think if you died a lot, he's also like not very good at this video game. <laughs> um, and so there's there's all of this like literally speaking to the player character in this instance. And also once you fight, the, once you start the fight, there's all this wild shit happening on screen where the game will cut and it looks like you have switched to a different input on your TV. Mm. It like goes like kind of green for a second and then there's a total black screen. It does say Hideo in the corner rather than video, which uh, <laughs> is kind of a That's nice funny. clue that Love like that. this is this is not a real thing. Yeah. And uh, he's constantly saying while you're fighting him, I can read your mind. You're never going to be able to beat me. And as you're fighting him, if you're shooting at him, just normally it doesn't do anything. He can't you can't hit him. And it took a lot of people some time, myself included, to figure out that the only way to beat Psychomantis is to plug your controller into the second player controller port, which at that point he can't read your mind anymore because he's looking in the wrong spot. Right. Which is so ob- obtuse and well damn near player unfriendly but is such an incredible pull to be able to say like no you have to physically get involved to fight him right in the real world so chase yeah. how did 
how does this work in 2023? Yeah, this is a challenge. Uh, I don't know how it's going to work for like the Switch remasters mm-hmm. of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, presumably, there will be some button in like a bunch of the uh, emulators that I or the emulator that I use to play this. Yeah, there is a very specific part of RetroArch that says like, do you want to change your controller port? And like, mm-hmm. I have to imagine that some of that is for multiplayer. But there is like, Metal Gear Solid is one of the biggest PlayStation One games, and they were probably like, well, we have to include that. Because yeah. it's not going to work if we don't. Um, Interesting. So yeah, there there are ways to to figure it out that way. Man, I'm just thinking about this this new collection because it's not just on Switch. Yeah, it's on like Xbox and PlayStation. Yeah. Like with Switch, there's things you could do with Joy Cons about like taking them on and off. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It, and or just connecting a different controller with Xbox or something like that. Like, yeah. No, there there's there's so many cool ideas that almost immediately pop up when you're thinking about this kind of stuff and like i'm almost surprised that it doesn't happen more often yeah i think you see a lot of like this fourth wall breaking uh applied to like comedy in video games you'll see characters like remarking about how they're in a video game and isn't that funny or like Mm -hmm. yeah uh, oh this we're gonna go to the next world right because it's a video game like yada 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 like Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff happens a lot but it's more rare to see it applied in a way that is kind of trying to scare you Mm. because for me it's really effective when a game does this yeah uh, obviously like I, I i don't want a game that is only this right but it, i i think when used sparingly in this way it can be truly scary and not to mention like leading up to this fight there is just like very scary music being played in the background and like <laughs> meryl's acting really weird because she's being kind of like mind controlled mm-hmm. um and so there's all this just like the 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 mood in there is very scary interesting it reminds me a bit of like the the end of inscription as well. Yes, like no, totally. End of inscription. Totally. Like, I won't spoil that because that is pretty recent. But there's there's similar stuff going on there. I just hold on. I have to pause. Yeah. And just like this is not related to anything we're talking about. Is yeah. that a Phoebe Bridgers t-shirt? This is a Phoebe yeah. Bridgers t-shirt. Yes. That is incredible. I'm obs- <laughs> the, whoever's doing her merch needs like a so hundred raises. Good. They're doing yeah. so good. There, there's and Boy Genius's merch is fucking yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, because like. Like I'm I'm a guy who does enjoy like hardcore music and stuff like that, but it's hard for me to always wear that. But if I'm rocking the Phoebe Bridger shirt, it's it's a yeah. little bit more unassuming. Right. Yeah. Um but yes, thank you for noticing. Yeah, sorry. I just I realized it halfway <laughs> through. Also, I don't know if you saw this AC, but I changed the Boy Genius episode to be about Phoebe Bridgers because I just connect more a lot with Punisher than I do Boy Genius. So. I didn't see that, but that makes sense to me. Yeah. I um am not at the phoebe bridgers show right now so the boy genius show all things go is this weekend so maggie rogers was last night and mm. boy genius was today but i just um i i couldn't i'm i'm trying not to fall asleep right now <laughs> <laughs> i was asleep 18 hours of the day yesterday so <laughs> oh, yeah. nice. recovering from travel you know oh yeah all absolutely right. sorry for the interruption no, anyway, just, anyway i realized it while you were talking yes <laughs> Um, so to, to kind of skip ahead a little bit, I, I think when you're getting towards the end of this game, um, there are a lot of criticisms about how of sort of the elite here of like, there are people who usually aren't elected that are controlling a lot of these people and soldiers to do their bidding, but like, they really don't have a lot of agency in any of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Essentially, there was a lot of things being misled to snake and to you as the player, and so there's this question of like, d- how do you feel about doing these things now that like there may be some removal of agency from you or there has been in- throughout this whole thing? 
and also how does like your genetic code play into that right essentially trying to touch on like if your dad was a shitty guy do you have to like atone for that or are you predetermined to be the same kind of shitty guy or is there another Mm -hmm. uh you know path there which is interesting again I, i think it starts getting closer to the less military part of the analysis and more of just like the person analysis of this video game Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't something that I sort of expected replaying it, yeah. but it, uh, it's interesting. Again, I think I would have to go into a lot more of the plot beats there that right. are kind of spoilery um, mm-hmm. to really get at like why they're asking that or how they're asking that. But th- there is interesting stuff towards the end of that game. So I'm planning on picking up this collection. Yeah. And I'll be interested to see if there's anything going on that's like social or cultural yeah. in that sort of uh, in that space. Right. Yeah. Um, sounds like, there's a conversation around like i don't know does like heritage define you and yes. but it's it's more biological right mm-hmm. um and i'm curious to see if there's any exploration of like the social conditions that mm. um yeah right, that that are that related to that as well yeah i think that the game definitely airs on the side of like you have a choice of as a person on what to mm-hmm. do here it's not just like who you were born as but what you choose to live as you know mm-hmm. so I, I i i like the way that they end up there so that's Metal Gear Solid 1. Uh, it's interesting and cool. Uh, but for me personally, Metal Gear Solid 2, that's the one, baby. That's the good one. <laughs> okay. So we were talking a little bit about the state of the world in Metal Gear Solid mm-hmm. 1. Uh, this game, Metal Gear Solid 2, comes out November of 2001, which is a pretty short amount of time after some other shit that happened. Wow. Yeah. Oof. Oof. And, and like... Just to say this out loud, because I think we all know this, but yeah. like the text of this game could not have changed between no. September and November. No. Okay. It could. There There are a few there. So so this is actually one rare time in history, Matt, where there are some very large properties that were created that were set to be released at this time where there mm-hmm. were edits made. So there are some large media properties where there there are like. The most famous one being Spider-Man, Spider-Man right? Of course, right? Like, yeah. And and like release, but it released a year later. Yeah, right? that's true. The idea I guess, that yeah, yeah, the idea that like this game that was farther. Ahead. I may or may I not have been delayed. I don't know. Yeah, only came out two months after. Yeah, it's it's Wild. nuts. And there's there's all these reports, and like Hideo himself has said this that like he wanted to just cancel the game outright. He's like, no fucking mm. way, we can't release this. Yeah. Um, because it just felt like kind of, as he said it, disrespectful. Yeah. And I, I I think it's worth pointing out, and this isn't a huge spoiler, but towards the end of the game, there is a very specific crash landing of something in the southern half of Manhattan. And so like- Oh, wow. Just like couldn't get any more on the nose, right? Oof. They did end up removing some of that cutscene, but like you can't take away the whole game because like there is mm-hmm. so much criticism levied at that at like, again, misinformation, the military industrial complex, and like, what does it mean for a group of rogue agents to hijack something and crash it into Manhattan, right? Like that's still a part of it. Mm-hmm. And so they were just like, I don't think we can even put this out, man. Like, that's not a thing we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did. And I'm really glad they did because a, a it to me it does not feel disrespectful. Like, I don't think there's anything in here that's like, fuck yeah. Oh my God. I can't believe it. it's so sick that this happened to America. Yeah. Fuck mm-hmm. them all. Um, <laughs> it, it, there's a lot more nuance in there that I think is actually pretty good. And weirdly enough, this is only the first of two times that Hideo Kojima has nearly peered into the future um, (laughs) because uh, he also made a video game called Death Stranding, which uh, 
came out November of 2019 that depicted a United States that was decimated by a nearly invisible force that forced folks to live inside their homes and rely on delivery people to sustain them, which is like, (laughs) dog, what? In November 2019, like, that's, it's just bananas. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. That is like prescience on the level of Octavia Butler. Like, uh... Coming to iPhone in 2024. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, Death Stranding is a very good game. I could do a whole podcast about that one too, but it's a it's a wild experience. Yeah. That one's been on my list for a long time. Yeah. Okay. So with this game, there's a lot to cover, but uh, I'll, I'll uh, make it brief-ish. I am sure that I will not be able to cover everything about it because there's just so much to digest. Our episode about this game was three hours long, so like, <laughs> there's I'm going to be skipping over some stuff. I will also say at the top here that. Hideo has, uh, in interviews about these games, almost every time said that this will be the last one, Mm. uh, which is a helpful lens to view almost every entry after this in. How many has he worked on? Uh, He worked on two, three, uh, four, and some of five. Interesting. Gotcha. So just at a very high level plot, uh, you again play Solid Snake, the boy. You have teamed up with uh, this guy who you met in the last game named Otacon, who is a very much still a man in the chair kind of guy. He's a very nerdy guy. He's uh, in the first one, uh, utters the line, can love truly bloom on the battlefield? Which is a lot. Oh, um, wow. Very dramatic, very strange. <laughs> uh, there's a scene- I like him already. Yeah, he's a very strange guy. He's very, very uh, cool, but a, a very strange fella. And- uh, you you start this game. You are now in New York, and you are trying to infiltrate this uh, tanker that is on the Hudson River. Essentially, what has happened in the interim is that Otacon and Snake has fo- have formed kind of like a an NGO to try and dissuade people from making Metal Gear at all. Um, that mm-hmm. they're like out there uh, either doing spy stuff or uh, just advocating for like we don't need any more Metal Gears in here. Mm. That shouldn't be a thing that we do. And uh, but on this one, they've gotten a tip from somebody that the uh, the Navy has developed a Metal Gear of their own, and so they're going in there. And their hope is to take a bunch of pictures of it, put it on the internet, and uh, kind of blow the case open. Right. So you do that, uh, but it almost immediately goes to shit. This tanker gets taken over by a uh, some kind of like Russian group of people. They like dispatch with the Navy people and then uh, take it over, and it's sketchy and bad. You as Snake wander around here. You do end up finding that the Navy has developed this uh, Metal Gear Ray, as they call it. And uh, you're like, okay, great. Uh, we're going to upload this to the internet now and tell everyone about it. Things go wrong from there. A friendly face from the first game, uh, Ocelot, this kind of like cowboy, essentially shows up and is like, hey, I'm actually going to steal this Metal Gear. Uh, and I'm, and I'm going to sink this tanker with maybe everybody in it. So that happens. And uh, that's like probably a couple hours of the first game. And I want to say right here, this is the only part of the game that was previewed for any part of the public. Fascinating. Um, was mm. Just this this section of the game. The game then jump cuts two years into the future and they're like, okay, so what happened was uh, after that tanker uh, got destroyed, there was this like facility built around it to try and contain the oil that was leaking out of it sort of an environmental cleanup facility. And there are people there that have hijacked it and they are uh, demanding a, a bunch of money uh, similar to the first one, right? It's, it's very kind of uh, beat for beat, uh, a similar setup. And you are hearing the voice of, again, Roy Campbell. 
and he is telling to this person named Snake, this is your mission. You're going to go in there. They've hij- or they have kidnapped the president. You have to get him back and stop this whole thing. But the person who is speaking is clearly not the same voice actor as the guy the, as Solid Snake, right? It's a very different mm-hmm. person. And eventually when uh, you're like underwater coming out to like infiltrate this place uh, from below and you do that, you come out of there and it is obvious that like this is a different guy. This is not the Solid Snake who I love. Eventually they say, okay, your new code name for this mission is actually going to be Raiden because uh, this is a different thing altogether. Mm. Raiden is very cool. I love talking about this guy because initially in the game, he's just such a turd, like just a real (laughs) shithead. Uh, he's very like full of himself and confident and uh, kind of like snarky towards Roy. And it's just like bizarre. Like you're like, I don't really like this guy very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is also uh, you get a better look at him. Eventually, he kind of like takes his helmet off and like shows you who he is. Uh, and the design between these two characters could not be more different. Uh, Solid Snake is a bearded, gruff, very muscly bound guy who smokes cigarettes he was based on kurt russell's character from escape from new york right um like just like that version of masculinity um raiden is much skinnier uh very androgynous in the kind of like look he's uh giving right like his his hair is a lot longer like like near automata adam and eve yes exactly right like the 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 display he's displaying himself in in a much different way than snake was uh, and it is definitely to show contrast with with Snake. Like the the those two characters are supposed you're supposed to look at one and be like these are different guys altogether. Mm. And uh, again, if you kind of like look at this game for long enough and and hear these interviews with Hideo, he was like really sick of everybody pretending that Snake was like the coolest fucking character in the universe. And so what he does is uh, this this character Raiden. He's like really he's never been in like a real mission or anything. He's just really good at VR missions. That's a thing he talks about a lot. Mm-hmm. How, the character that they present to the the gamers are is a character who is very good at playing video games, who looks nothing like Solid Snake, but is very full of himself and very like uh, headstrong about everything he's doing. Essentially, what's happening here is that. Hideo is just giving you a nice little mirror and saying, like, look at you fuckers. This is this is you guys like who think that, like, (laughs) violence is cool and uh, that, like, the solid snake guy is a hero and he's the best. And he's like, that's not who I was showing you in the first game. He's like Mm -hmm. very regretful about the shit that he does. But suddenly he's like a superhero now. Yeah. And uh, the response to everybody uh, or, or the response to Raiden at the time was like, this guy fucking sucks. And that's it. There was no analysis of like why or who he is or why that's frustrating for people to play as him. You know? Um, right. I, I, that's so funny. I like, again, Hideo being like a little bit prescient, not that like gamers weren't toxic in 2001, but like, I don't know. We've now lived through Gamergate at this point. Yes. And like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <sighs> it's, it's, it's wild to have that amount of like, clarity around i know how people are going to react to this um not to mention again like i said the the part of the game they showed was just snake nobody knew that raiden was coming in this game until the moment that he stepped on screen and you played as him so it was mostly a secret so it it was a shock to i think a lot of people who are playing it that this is what we're actually getting right now yeah which for me personally, I love that. In hindsight, I love it. Uh, I I love the criticism of the player by just putting you in the shoes of a different person that is a lot uh, less, like, quote-unquote, cool. 
Like he's mm-hmm. Raiden's kind of an asshole in this game. Like especially in the beginning, the people who he talks to, he's just like he's really cocksure and kind of a, a dick. And like the the way he speaks to people really sucks to a point that's like it's not just like oh he's tough. Like he's he's just kind of egotistical. Mm-hmm. So I I I love that that is the person who they're forcing you to play as. Um, and of course, like as the game goes on, that he gets a lot more characterization. I think by the end of it is a much more sympathetic person. Um, there's a lot of like, he goes through like a, a fucking existential crisis through this whole thing mm. and starts being like, I don't think I know what's real. I don't know what's happening here. Like all that sort of stuff. And it comes out well, but initially I think you're supposed to be like, this guy fucking sucks. I don't like him at all. <laughs> so just like the, the stuff that they're hitting on thematically in this game is just like head and shoulders for me above what was going on in the first one. It's interesting. Sorry. This, yeah. It reminds me a bit of, uh, the matrix four. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, that scene where they're like sitting around the table trying to decide what the next matrix video game was going to be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's basically like Lana just like yelling at anyone <laughs> watching this movie to shut the fuck up and watch the movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, like I, I love when people do that. And like, even when like I'm the person being made fun of, mm-hmm. like I, I happily I, give it to me. Yeah. And that, that's the thing is like, this just doesn't really happen in games, right? Like, Right. It's so rare that there's any joke made on the player's behalf. Usually the yeah. the guiding principle in video games is like, we want to make you feel fucking cool versus <laughs> like, I want to hold a mirror up to you and say like, you are not digesting the violence in these video games enough. If mm-hmm. if you yeah. think that like this guy is the cool guy, the one who like killed a bunch of people potentially and then like felt bad about it at the end of the game, you know? Mm-hmm. so uh I, I think when talking about this game at, at least in hindsight one of the big things that people talk about now is that this game really called a shot with misinformation oh. throughout the entire game there is constantly just wrong information being given to you given to uh the characters in the game uh there are things that are like oh yeah when the tanker sank in this river it's like that's the wrong river it wasn't there mm-hmm. but that's where they built it and shit like that it just constantly everybody's confused nobody knows what's going on and uh there is a scene towards the end of it where uh they very specifically talk about like the internet as a bad thing um Hmm. because there is just so much fucking information um and this is again this is in 2001 this is not when the internet is like at the fever pitch that it would be it's just kind of at the beginning and then there are these characters saying like yeah we can probably like control narratives and drive like people's decision making by just throwing enough shit at the wall for it to like work correct um mm-hmm. which is nuts like that is just a a wild shot to call that far back um and, and you know starts it, it also didn't happen immediately right like it really took until kind of like i don't know the the middle part of 2015 to be like oh yeah i see why this fucking sucks right like how this yeah. is just yeah. Obviously, there were painful moments in the internet before that, but like when like fucking Steve Bannon was like, I know exactly how to like ruin everything and just throw mm-hmm. so much misinformation at the wall that nobody gives a shit anymore. Um, yeah. That like that that is what is wild for them to have called that far back. Yeah, I don't know anything about uh, like Hideo's life or anything yeah. like that, but I definitely remember at those times, it, at least. I was 11 years old. I was being told to, you know, be careful what I pay attention to or listen to on the internet. Yeah. But that was, that was a, it was like the, the level of like, don't believe everything you read. You know what I mean? Like just kind of like platitudes and stuff. Yeah. And I, I, I have always been curious at least, at least among just like American culture and the internet, Mm -hmm. um, how we evolved from, 
that don't believe everything you read yeah to the sort of misinformation disinformation landscape that we exist in now yeah not that that didn't exist beforehand but the the amount of information we encounter yeah i don't know i just like wonder obviously Adeo had thoughts about that mm-hmm. or somebody on the team had thoughts about that going in but i wonder sort of like what was influencing that at the time yeah no totally and i i, I think you're right to point out that like the interpretation of like look out for who who you're talking to on the internet mm-hmm. it is a a like model of threat based on the real world of like where a single person can come up to you and like totally fuck your day up right mm-hmm. or tell you something that's wrong or you know hurt you in some way and like that's a danger on the internet for sure but like mm-hmm. definitely a larger danger is when you get enough people all screeching at each other the same like false information until that kind of re- reaches a larger level and everybody's like yeah no that is what happened and the the game even like goes on to the point where they're talking about like the the game presupposes that there is this like group of people of like wealthy billionaires that are controlling most of like politics in mm-hmm. uh at least the united states and it does actually say the world eventually um, and the, you talk to one of these people and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, no, it's it's mostly just like theater that we're putting on out there that like <laughs> we sort of define the like the edges of what people should or can believe and yeah. then uh, just kind of play that out. And like is damn near quoting manufacturing consent, you know, like yeah. it is so close to just telling you that that is what they're talking about. Mm. And again, that is not like I was also 11 at the time. I didn't get that. Um <laughs> But I don't think that that was a common opinion very much either, that like right after 9-11, we were very fucking hoorah and like mm-hmm. nobody was worried about like, hey, are we normalizing violence right now just because like the, the attack was so horrific and we we're scared, you know, like that wasn't an opinion. It was just like, yeah, we're going to do whatever the fuck we want to because that's the United States right now. Um, So again, just sort of a bizarre shot to call here from from that far back and again pre 9-11 this is all being made pre 9-11 yeah the 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 other thing i wanted to bring up with this game specifically is just that like like i had mentioned before there's this very cool companion piece the uh city of glass the paul oster Mm -hmm. book if you're interested in this at all there is a very good graphic novel version of it that art spiegelman made and i i think it really speaks to a lot of the characteristics that you see in hideo's work especially in two um, there, uh, there is a literal character named Peter Stillman in City of Glass, and Hideo just lifted that name directly out and put it in Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> There's a guy named Peter Stillman in there. And a lot of that book deals with like identity and truth and, and that sort of thing. And there are these people that are occupying the same space, like they have the same names, they're supposed to be the same person, but you're very unclear about like, is that the real person or is that not? The book also has this like intertextual relationship with Don Quixote. The like main character's name is Daniel Quinn, so same initials yeah. there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like similar thematic swings that are happening in that book, and I think that that's something that uh, Matt you had written. This game is very meta, or the series is very mm-hmm. meta. I think that's where they're pulling from this like intertextuality of like just lifting shit wholesale from one uh property to another and being like what does that mean here what it like what are we doing how does this affect us mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff so I, I i think it's a very it's a worthwhile read what's the space ac don't talk to me right now why sometimes it's like man have i read this book this book this sounds familiar 
the I'm premise. I'm pretty sure I know that you've no. read City of Glass. No. no? <laughs> I have I have read a book called City of Glass. It's not this There's one. a different one. Yes. I there also got confused. There is a book called City of Glass by Cassandra Clare. Oh my god. That was very popular. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's what I just realized. So, uh, I'm just going to say that like, like I feel like now. this is the only podcast where you can get a Noam Chomsky like just like cold drop <laughs> yeah. and then Cassandra Clare. The only podcast where not once but twice yeah. I am surprised to learn that the piece of media that I am thinking of <laughs> is written by Cassandra Clare. Uh, oh boy. Amazing. Okay. It's really good. So no, it's actually terrible. It's actually very embarrassing <laughs> I like for me. I, I like this. Um, but I really, I, I mean, I would like to read this other City of Glass book now. It sounds very yes. interesting. It's very good. the The graphic novel is also fairly short. You can read it in like a sitting. Nice. Yeah. Um, and you you really get a feel for like what's going on in that book. The kind of like style that paul oster had yeah he he also wrote leviathan that was the the other book that i had read before that was pretty good okay. i'm fucking talking like i'm some media crit oh, this classic <laughs> piece of literature was pretty good like, <laughs> Jesus. you know um, i've heard of it yes yeah um so yeah there's I, I think there's a lot to talk about with mgs2 but it it's if you're interested in any of this it's worth playing mm-hmm. i think it is uh there are parts of it that are critical in ways that are incredibly fun uh, it does have a character that I think is pretty mishandled um, in a fat phobic way, which is pretty painful, Dang. but uh, it's in there. I don't think he's supposed to be like the butt of a joke, but his name is Fat Man. I think it's hmm. supposed to be a reference to the nuclear bomb, like Fat Man okay. and the, oh God, what was the other one called? Or the other bomb was called something else. Big boy. Right. Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Because he's a, a a bomb maker in the game. But gotcha. uh, I think it would have hit harder if he wasn't also like a fat dude. Yeah, I will say that stuff often takes me out of uh, fiction more generally, but especially video games. Yes, yeah. Not big boy, little boy. Uh, I did remember yeah. the, yes. the construction correctly. Little boy and fat man. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking. I mean, obviously, there's like the Thor in Endgame. Yeah, thing, yeah. But like, yeah. Um, I don't know. I was watching uh, Yuri on Ice last year mm-hmm. after years of not watching it. And was disappointed two ways. One, I thought it was going to be way more explicitly gay than it was. <laughs> but two, it's like, it's just so fat phobic. Yeah. Uh, there's like a whole like subplot line about how much he loves like these pork bowls. And then they make fun of him for eating too much because he's an ice skater. And like, uh, yeah. he, they like, he has like boing, 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 boing noises as he like moves around and stuff. <laughs> it's really gross. And I don't know. Yeah. I was just, I was playing Persona 5 Real um, last night. Yes. And there's a couple moments in there where I was just like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. Persona 5 Rail is 2016, 2020, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, yeah, I will probably still play this game. It's not the thing that's going to make me not play it. <laughs> sure. But I appreciate the forewarning. Yeah. Yes. And and I will say it's, he's not a gigantic part of the story. He's a yeah. character yeah. in it. And so it's like, it doesn't last super long. He's not following you around the whole game, just making everybody feel like shit. But um, it is in there. <laughs> and I think it's not, played very well yeah yeah anyway it's metal gear solid 2 there's a lot of shit in there i could keep talking about this game but i want to like just keep moving because i will get stuck in this malaise (laughs) for another two hours if i don't but it's very fun it felt very uh it it feels very uh prescient and yeah relevant still which i think is something that is hard to do for video games as far as like narrative goes 
Um, oftentimes you will see games that are like, oh, this mechanic feels pretty good in 2023. I'm surprised by that, but it's pretty rare that there's a story being told that's like, damn, that's very current in, in to what yeah. they're like saying and, and uh, digesting here. Uh, do, do either of you need a break? I'm like totally cool to keep spewing Metal Gear Solid at you, but uh, just checking. I have a Coke Zero. I'm good. Perfect. Hell I'm yeah. fine. And I ha- I have a hunch, AC, that if you took a break, he would not come back. Uh, yeah, no, I, I just got to keep going at this point. Okay, I, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say that Metal Gear Solid 3, like it's, I, I have a little bit less because it's just kind of less of a complex video game. Mm. And um, you've already like set us up for a lot of the information that we need to know. Exactly. Then, yeah. So. No, the preamble. You're we're totally here. <laughs> you're yeah. set up. For I'm it. on board. I'm I'm got it. <laughs> uh, so Metal Gear Solid Three. This game comes out November seventeenth of two thousand and four. So definitely in a post nine eleven, post sort of like shock and awe era of the United States. Mm-hmm. But this game is a prequel, and it takes place in nineteen sixty four. So it goes back in time. Um, and at this point you are playing as an operative. Wait, hold on. Back up. Wait, wait, wait. The, I totally forgot. One of the main bad guys in Metal Gear Solid 2 is named Solidus Snake. Oh. <laughs> forgot to mention it. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Sol- Solidus? Solidus. Not Solider. No, yeah. <laughs> it couldn't be Solider Snake. I think the attempt there was like, he's both a combination of solid and liquid snake. What? It's a lot. Yes, exactly. That is the correct response but to how it. How would how would adding solid uh uh ha, okay uh-huh. not even like soliquid? <laughs> I would have loved <laughs> soliquid. Soliloquy snake. snake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or lo- lolid. Lolid yeah. is also okay. Yeah. I like yeah. that one. <laughs> that one. <laughs> um, okay, so I only say that because in this game you start off playing as a guy named Naked Snake, who is not naked, <laughs> but that is what his name is in the beginning. Okay. Okay. Hang on. Yes. We're introducing totally new forms for matter to be arranged. Yes. I guess <laughs> solidus, <laughs> naked, plasma. You know the force the four states of being solid, liquid, solidus, and of course, naked. <laughs> um he eventually just starts going by snake. Uh because like that's easier. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, it's revealed pretty early on that this is the dude who will go on to be big boss in the other entries. Uh, And so you were seeing him as a much younger, uh, operative who is not quite as disillusioned with the whole thing. Wait. Yes. Okay. So big boss's last name, original last name is also snake. It's his code name. Big boss, nay snake. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to give you a real annoying answer. Oh no. The boss is a title. Oh God! <laughs> okay, and is the big boss also a title? Uh, he uh, apparently has stood above all else, and so he is the mm-hmm. big boss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, there you go. Uh, but so the this game takes place in 1964. You are being uh, 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 put into a situation where you have to go recover a uh, scientist from the USSR who defected to the United States. There is some rumblings about him maybe making a big nuclear armed tank, uh, but they're not exactly sure what that is yet. It's a Metal Gear. Um, <laughs> but uh, you, you as a snake, again, um, you go in there and you are supposed to rescue him. You initially do, but shit immediately falls apart again. Your former mentor, currently the boss, mm. a different person, mm. she shows up, also voiced by Pearl from SpongeBob. 
um, which is a very strange. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. It's all I can hear when I'm playing the game is Incredible. just Pearl. Incredible. She shows up, promptly, promptly kicks your ass and uh, like breaks your arm and throws you into a river. And she's like, all right, see you, dude. Like uh, now I'm defecting to the USSR. Sorry. Bye. So she fucks that whole thing up for you, <laughs> double, which is great. It's really fun. The, she is apparently working for this, say it with me now, a splinter group who uh, has stolen the plans for Metal Gear. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, they've also stolen a couple of smaller nukes, mm-hmm. which uh, their leader, Volgan, uh, promptly launches at this facility to cover up the fact that it was stolen. Um, oh, this in, in turn ends up causing some issues between the USSR and the United States, of course, because USSR is like, hey, you guys did this. It's your bad. Uh, and that's not great. We're pretty pissed about that. Sorry. I know that you said this in turn. Yeah. But I heard an intern causing <laughs> issues between the USSR and the United States. Guys, I got some bad news. <laughs> I lit a nuke in the USSR. It's not looking good. What's your worst day at work that you've ever had? Yeah. I accidentally pushed the nuke button one time, you know? You'll never make oh, that God. mistake twice. Yeah, no, they'll learn from this one. There'll be some more documentation about how to not fuck, fuck it up that bad. <laughs> so that that happens. Tensions rise. Apparently, uh, Russian premier Khrushchev calls LBJ and is like, hey, dude, I'm pretty sure that who caused this was uh, this like splinter group. But I can't say that to my country. We <laughs> will go to war in the next couple of days if you can't prove that. So they send, of course, Snake back in to go prove that. And that is most of the game is you uh, trying to like recover these plans, destroy the makeshift Metal Gear that they have made called the Shago Hod. It's like it's it's a big tank. I was expecting like Metal Gear something. Yeah, no, it's it's strange that it's called something entirely different. But yeah, uh, yeah I, it may just because it's made in Russia or something. These are Russian engineers who are working on it, but who knows? Yeah. So that that's that's your main deal there. You have to work through another group of strange people to do this. It is similar to Metal Gear Solid 1 in that there are a bunch of like just kind of weirdos that they've collected into this this splinter group. Um they're all named like the something. It's like the fear or the pain um or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, the pain is a weird guy. He controls bees. That's his big superpower. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's the correct response. Beads? Be- bees? Beads? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Arrested Development? Yeah, Just me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yes, okay, yeah. okay, okay, um, okay. Sure. I didn't, I don't think I, I think I couldn't have guessed. If, yeah. if you had said to me, AC, I'd like for you to guess what extremely random superpower this the man pain has. The pain has, yeah. Yeah. Uh, bees, bees is not on the top of the list. <laughs> yeah, you know, but um Yeah, it's 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 bizarre. Um he's also just like constantly being stung cuz they like are on him all the time and he like shoots them at you like a a a, bar- a barrage of water or something like that. So he is is he called the pain because he is in pain? In pain or... all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And he okay, will okay. also cause pain, I presume. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I do have to say that the fear and the pain sounds a lot like like a fifteen year old boy like naming his fist. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. He's like, yes. I call this one the fear and this one the pain, <laughs> and you're gonna get them both. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I I will say that this game strangely feels kind of like a step back for a lot of the mm. maturity stuff. I think they may have gotten swept up in just what was happening at games at the time. 
um, because mm. like it is a lot hornier in a way that sucks. Uh, just like pretty straight down the middle is a bummer. Like uh, it, it, I think in the other ones, there are moments where it's like, yeah, that person's probably dressed like less effectively than their <laughs> job would demand. Um, but in this one, there's a lot of situations where you can press during a cutscene. You can press L1 to switch between third or like whatever uh, person the cutscene is in and first person. So you can go and mm. see like, what is Snake seeing right now? Sometimes that is critical for the video game because you get more information uh, about like what is happening, what's going on. Other times uh, you get to oogle and that's kind of the point, right? You can go into first person and stare at someone's chest and that's like the point of being able to go into first person there, which mm. feels even farther away from like, we're just like showing you a sexual person on screen to being like, now it's your turn. You get to take control and oogle as the gamer. Like it just feels pretty bad, (laughs) especially in hindsight. Like I think at the time I I was 14 when this came out. So I was like, yeah, sure. It's, it's video games, man. But playing it recently, I was like, what the fuck is going on in here? (laughs) What is this? I I think to hearing you talk about some of like the satirical, like, autonomy aspects of the way that this game approaches these kinds of questions it's like uh reminiscent of so many other conversations that i have about like this certain type of satire that exists in the world which is that there is maybe something satirical to be said there that like you can make that choice right not even satirical like like commentary right Mm -hmm. there's social Mm -hmm. commentary that that is a a choice that you could make in this very different like in this game yeah um and then also, there are not people who think critically beyond being able to press make L1 that choice. to see boot. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Exactly. Dead or alive beach volleyball. Yeah. Yes. I, I think that is a good example because there's oogling in that game. It's not, yeah. it, there's nowhere near that this is part of their character. It's just yeah. like, mm-hmm. yeah, that you know what it's here for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, do, I often think about like, I don't know, the responsibility of certain media um, to, I don't know, account. I'm I'm not trying to get a death of the author con- no, death no, no. of the author conversation today but like the the responsibility of certain media to account for its uh intended audience mm-hmm. or to the audience that it has and like I don't know what that means for games ability to say something versus not yeah at the same time it sounds like that mechanic you just described was just straight up maybe a bad idea yeah <laughs> I, yeah in hindsight that's what it reads like to me yeah. I and, and I think that like if you take that away that specific mechanic I think it might work because the character that you're usually oogling at is a person who is constantly trying to misdirect people. And she mm. uses her form to do that, right? Like mm-hmm. she is oftentimes feminine trying. Feminine wiles. Exactly, <laughs> right? Like it's not the best trope, but it's closer to something that I can see the commentary there, right? Like yeah. right. if it's closer to like, uh, if I, I, and again, here's the situation that I would have loved is uh if you as the person is uh who is playing the game if you press l1 and you oogle but then you miss out on critical fucking information because you are being like misled nice good we're (laughs) like we're in the territory of commentary now rather than just Mm -hmm. like do you want to see some kind of ps2 boobs (laughs) (laughs) uh but it it doesn't do that it it's it doesn't really have a lot to say it's just kind of like here's a fun little mechanic for all the gamer boys uh which is not great so 
there there are things that are mishandled and like you were saying with the pain and the fear like it I, I think there is a little bit more of like this is maybe tailored towards a younger audience potentially sure. i know it was intended to be a easy place to start in the series because like yeah the other two games were pretty popular they were kind of reaching a fever pitch as far as popularity goes and they're like what if we just removed all that and told a story where you didn't have to know the context of the other games to play it yeah. and so i think they're trying to appeal to what I think a lot of video games were trying to appeal to at the time, which is teenage boys, right? That's a lot of where the marketing was going towards with games in 2004. How do people regard Metal Gear Solid 3 versus the first two these days? Um, I know a lot of people who that was their first one. And I know that there's a lot of people who really like it the most, like by far the most. Um, And I think it is, uh, and I don't mean this in a bad way. It is simpler. It is much easier to understand what is happening in the game. Again, because 2 is dealing with so much misinformation intentionally, it mm-hmm. can be really hard to track what the fuck is going on in the video game a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like this one's like, I'm trying to find the scientist and destroy the Metal Gear, and I have to fight Bees Man on the way. Uh, <laughs> as wild as that is, I understand what's happening. I got to shoot yeah. Bees Man. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I do think that this one's pretty well regarded for people who are fans of the series. It's also the one that comes with the least amount of mechanical frustration, I will say. You can control the camera in this one, which was like, I know my co-host David, he started with this one because he couldn't do the fixed camera angles of one and two. Because in a stealth game, it can be very helpful to look around a corner, you know? Sure. (laughs) And so I I do think that there is an affection for this game. Um, But I also wonder how much of it is like, has have you all gone to play every other one of the games and then also played this one and like kind of reassessed if that is still your favorite one, you know? would suspect that that would probably be not 100% of people. So I know that the uh, collection that comes out on the 24th yeah. um, in- includes the first two and this one. Yes, yeah. Do we know if they're updating the controls on the first two? Um, I th- If I remember correctly, they were going to include the controls that were in the most recent collection of Metal Gear games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that adds camera control to two, but I don't think it adds it to one. I don't think one ever got that treatment. Right. And so it's still kind of the top-down experience there, which can be frustrating it's it's not ideal um i will say this game has a very easy mode which i usually play on because i'm like i don't really give a shit about like (laughs) actually being sneaky all the time i'll usually try but then the first time somebody spots me i'm like all right i'm just gonna blast everybody and then go to the next area like that's fine and so you can tune it to the point where it's a little bit less of a slog um mechanically uh i will say that the the first one is pretty short too so it's not like you're gonna be stuck there forever kind of futzing around with like i can't really see in the way that i want to see Mm -hmm. but uh yeah so that's that's the that's the controls to to skip ahead a little bit without ruining a lot of it i think that thematically this game is not as heavy as the other ones um that a lot of the game is commenting mostly on change that it uh it is this transition time between uh kind of the you know, the actual World War II era in this world and the Cold War and how things are going to change with this like power dynamic. There's a lot of relationships in the game that are changing. There's a lot of double crossing and like you're very unclear about like who is your ally versus who is not. Um, And there are literal changes of like, well, someone was with us and then they defected to the other side. Um, And that happens constantly throughout the game. You're never really sure who is on your side, which is, again, a very common trope from like 60s spy movies right yeah um, i was gonna say have you ever either of you ever seen the movie iron curtain 
Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. With Paul Newman mm-hmm. and um, Julie Andrews, it's one of my favorites. I, yeah. it, it's a it's a Hitchcock. It's it's um, I don't know. It's just it's really good, and that is a, that is one of the, like the biggest tropes in that yeah. is you never know who you can trust and who you cannot. So. Yeah, and Hideo has said before that he's very influenced by Hitchcock movies. Um, yeah. specifically being able to swap very quickly between third and first person. Torn Curtain is what the name of that movie is, not Iron Curtain. They're behind yep, yep, the Iron nope, Curtain, totally, but yep, it's called you're right. Torn Curtain. <laughs> Sorry, my brain just yeah. click, clicked in finally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's he was he, in a similar way to Hitchcock where you get a lot of these first person shots in yeah. his movies. Um, you, you do that a lot in these games too. And I if I'm being charitable, maybe that's what he was trying to do here with switching between first person <laughs> sure. and not. But, uh, you know, maybe do it in a different scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so there's that. Uh, there is this process of uh, Snake becoming a different person and uh, starting to go into where he would be with the rest of the series. There's a lot of more games that are set in this era after Metal Gear Solid 3. Um, Peace Walker is one of them. Metal Gear Solid 4 is or, or sorry, 5 is in this era where uh snake essentially becomes disillusioned with uh like government power and like mm-hmm. military structure and wants to create like a uh, a haven for people who like don't want to fight for a country essentially mm-hmm. um and just want to like defend themselves uh which is you know very a, a little libertarian so like all right i was, I was supposed to yeah. say okay libertarianism yes, i see yeah. you <laughs> yes um and so i don't I, I don't think he's ever meant to be like a super sympathetic guy but you're yeah. supposed to, I think, understand the change from like him being like, I'm totally down with fighting for the U.S. military to being like, actually, fuck this. <laughs> I'm curious, what year did the uh, did the one with the more libertarian type story come out? So that's a, the, the, I'm going to give you an annoying answer. That big boss, uh, his like uh, he he founds this thing called Outer Haven. Okay. Um, and that is in the first Metal Gear, the one from okay. from 1987 to 1989. Um, the one that you're like building that base is in Metal Gear Solid Five. I think that one was like 2014. I want to say. Oh, interesting. Later yeah, than I would have guessed, but that's that's I remember that because I, I the Ethan, the guy who did our uh, podcast music, uh, <laughs> yeah. I remember talking about this game when it came out with him. He's yeah. a big Metal Gear fan. Yeah, uh, 2015. So that one came okay. out. Um, interesting. And so you know, you, you feel the the libertarian in the air in that era. Of uh, couldn't we just go create a big base for all of us gun-toting cool guys? You know, yeah, uh, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. I also played Bioshock. Uh, yes, yes. Oh my god, yeah. I also just played Bioshock. That was a wild fucking ride playing those games. Listen, we all know by now I'm not a video game player, but I yeah. did once go on a date with a guy who had. Um, Bioshock tattoos. Ooh. I did not know that they were Bioshock tattoos. I yeah. met him at the bookstore that I worked at, at okay. in college, and um, oh he and I were had been coworkers for a long time. And then I finally agreed to go out on a date with him, and I was like, "Oh yeah, tell me about your tattoos." And he was yeah. like, "Oh yeah, they're they're from Bioshock." He had like the the wrists, the chains on the wrists. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Oh, so interesting. Tell cool. me more about that." And then. <laughs> And then that was after that was when I learned about how it was connected to Ayn Rand. And then I was going to say, you know, that Bioshock is like a Randian fantasy, yeah, right? Uh-huh, yeah, that <laughs> yeah. Then he, 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 did, he did take the time to explain that to me. Um, luckily for me, I had read the works of Ayn Rand when I was in high school and yeah. was far beyond that phase uh, at that point yeah. in my life. So it's a, it, it is a pretty 
uh, surface level criticism of Rand. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. I think from a game perspective, but like if you've read, if you have just read Anne Rand, she serves as a criticism of herself, just Correct. like the nutty <laughs> shit that she's putting pen to paper. Yeah, uh, I just want to like shout out you all just did on on video game optimism mm-hmm. an episode where it wasn't exclusively about Bioshock. Yeah. You just played it and had a lot to say. Yes, yeah. um, and I really enjoyed that episode. Nice, so, thank you. Um, yeah, people who are not already video game optimism yeah. listeners, you should go over there. Yeah, it's uh, it was a fun conversation. Um, I I played through one and two and kind of came away feeling that two was the better of them it focuses uh, uh on different parts of rapture and it was interesting um interesting. infinite's a fucking disaster and it's hard to even speak about but uh <laughs> i think there are better voices who have criticized that game than mine yeah anyway just to put a a, a kind of pin on, or a bow on top of metal gear solid 3 I, I i think the the most interesting part of this game between uh or like for me is this relationship between snake and the boss in this game it's hard to say without smirking because it is so silly. Uh, <laughs> the Ohio State University, the boss. The boss, yeah. I, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I got you. Um, but I, I think that there is an interesting story there about like what it means to have a mentor and like how you can grow from that person and like do you need to own like who they are and like what parts of them you take forward and all that sort of stuff. So I think that there is interesting stuff there. She also serves as like very much a matriarch in this like mm. group of people. So like how how that affects her relationship with snake is interesting i think it's cool there's a lot of other stuff in there that's just kind of like it's spy stuff yeehaw right like mm-hmm. we're double crossing and it's fun but i think that that's kind of the core of the game for me um is, is their relationship and definitely like the climax of the game also is very much that so mm-hmm. uh don't want to spoil it but it is it is neat delivers yeah anyway video games y'all wow we did an episode about video games yeah. after saying that we weren't going to do a lot of video games on the show <laughs> yeah, breaking sorry. all the rules wait, in season wait, two wait i have a specific question yeah. Chase. what is the thing about metal gear solid that mm-hmm. you just like can't stop thinking about like what are what yeah. what are you always thinking about when it comes to metal gear solid yeah i mean i i, I think i touched on it earlier that there is this like bizarre combination of earnestness and absurdity that these games have um that there are the things that happen in them are so strange and so bizarre and you're unclear if like this should be taken seriously in any given moment is psychomantis talking to me how yeah. on earth did they predict uh the effects of the internet and all that sort of <laughs> stuff and so there is this uh feeling that i have when playing that these games or when playing these games that it feels like they're hovering sort of above time for me mm. that they're just like these not i wouldn't say evergreen because parts of them are not sure but i get taken to a different place whenever i play them because they're just such unique and specific experiences in games and like i think that games specifically like obviously i i I love them there are my medium of choice (laughs) and so like i i want them to be as good as they possibly can be because i think that like the the better the medium the more voices you will attract the more unique stories you will be able to tell the the more interesting things will come out of the medium rather than just being a a small thing for a small group of people and so when a game really like kind of shoots for the stars with some of the stuff i like that i like when a game is swinging for the fences with like we are going to ask what games can do specifically and we're going to push on those stories and try and figure out something interesting to say here rather than just being a purely mechanical shoot the bad guys experience yeah i like games that are purely mechanical right like (laughs) uh threes is a just straightforward mechanical experience you're just swiping fucking tiles around and like that's fun i like that there is room for that being appreciated but 
I think I always love when there is something else on top of that. There is some other intertextual thing that is happening like in these games. Uh, there is some message that I can glean out of the game that like I can see what the author or the people working on it are trying to say. It's why I like Near Automata for the same reason. Like it's just a bananas video game that oftentimes is rooted in just wild shit happening in it. But yeah. that there is like a heart to that game that I found incredibly surprising and uncommon in video games. So I think that's here uh, in in these games. Uh, I, I would be lying if I said that part of it wasn't just like I played them at the time and liked them. So I have <laughs> I am predisposed to to liking the mechanics of it. But I think the sure. the stuff that I come back for is this like absurdity, the earnestness with which they're telling these bizarre stories um, again uh, in the Towards the end of two, uh, Otacon and Snake are like, Otacon just lost someone to him. And it's like this incredibly brutal moment. And they share like a totally ridiculous bro high five and then just like hug for five seconds. And I'm like, that is simultaneously so dumb and so good. <laughs> like they they roll the best part of the, the game soundtrack at that moment. They hold the hug much longer than any like scared hetero man would hug another man. Uh, and so like there's, there's just a lot of shit going on in there that I, I find really admirable. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm kind of jealous that you played these when you were... Maybe too young to understand them, yes. but still we're young. <laughs> yeah. Because like I didn't think that games could do that stuff until like twenty fourteen yeah. when I played or twenty fifteen when I played her story for the first time, mm-hmm. right? Like I it took me a long time to realize that games were capable of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, I'm a little bit jealous that you got to have this experience a little bit earlier than me. <laughs> yeah, sure. I and I it, like it, you mentioned it too, but I, I would be hard pressed to explain any of that to you when I was eleven or fourteen or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, none none of us want to hear from any any no, of us when we no. were eleven or fourteen. Let's be real. Yeah, no, the takes I would have had about these games were just no. bad. Um, My favorite part of three was when you looked at the boobs. Yeah, when you <laughs> shot the dude, so fun. That was really good. Uh, I, I I will never give up a chance uh, to uh, give you grief about your video game crimes, Chase. Oh man, yeah. I have to I have to let AC know crimes? that Chase. Chase famously romanced the space racist in Mass Effect as as a teenager, and yeah. we like to give him crap for that in the Discord. Really oh. whiffed it on that one. Oh. <laughs> uh, I didn't. I didn't know that was a thing you could do. Yeah, she she's like one of the first women you meet in the game, and uh, she's like, I don't think I really like any of the other alien races. They're just like untrustworthy. And uh, me at fourteen was like, yeah, 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 yeah. But what about this romance? What about us? You know. <laughs> Uh-huh. Which is like I think what a lot of people did yeah. when they played that game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just head empty, yeah. absolutely not yeah. listening to the things she's saying. And yeah. sure, I mean, I think the first time I tried to play a real video game, I really didn't get it right either. So, um, yeah. and that was uh, I played. I tried to play The Witcher Three, mm. um, a tough one to start with. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. a tough first game. <laughs> you know what? I just really threw myself off the deep end. I played a lot of games that I'd heard people talk about a lot. I'd yeah. watched someone play all of Witcher 3, so I thought mm. that maybe I could do it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I failed the first quest before I even got out of the first tavern because I sliced their heads off instead of punching them. Yeah. Because um, I didn't know how to punch people. I games didn't know that should, was an option. Games should let you do more. <laughs> yeah i i mean i appreciated that it was just like you failed yeah. this main quest just instantly i was like cool i'll start again yeah. <laughs> i will say it has always shocked me that you started with Don't. like the witcher 3 
So this is around the time, Chase, that they were constantly telling me, like, I really want to get into video games. And then we would, like, try out video games, and they would just completely whiff, just, like, completely not get it. And then, like, the one that stuck with them was The Witcher 3. And, like, I regularly see you log on to, like, Switch and play The Witcher oh 3. Gosh. And Why? I'm like, I'm, like, I'm I'm happy for you. I'm happy it was your gateway into games, but it's just shocking to me that that is the one that got it you. It is so dense, that video game. I I mean I honestly think that it's because there are books and and I I read the books and so yeah, it's yeah. like familiar to me right like like mm-hmm. there's not like the extra hurdle of like learning a new language of the game of yeah. like learning like the moving parts of the story like I kind of have a sense of like where I need to go or what I need to do or what the things are yeah not uh, clearly not always <laughs> Um, I've recently been telling Matt about my struggles learning how to play Gwent. I don't oh understand turn-based <laughs> card games. It's just not for me. Uh, my little pea brain, it's too much math. Um, and uh, so I'm very bad at it. I told my other friend who plays a lot of Witcher this recently, and she was like, you have to learn how to play Apparently, her and her her now husband uh, just play Gwent for like hours in oh, the wow. game. I was like, I didn't. Why? There's Why whole would games you do for that? Those people. Yeah. I know. Yeah. There's I know. several whole games for those <laughs> I know, people. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I have uh, many recommendations for card games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Chase and I cannot start talking about card games. That will that's be a problem. True. Yeah. That's yeah. correct. That's correct. <laughs> Um, Matt, did you have anything else you wanted to close us out with while talking about Metal Gear Solid with Chase? Uh, no, but I definitely, I, I came into this episode being like, um, I may or may not pick up this game. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what Chase has to say. Cause I was really scared of like the sort of like overt militarization yeah. aspects of it. Um, that's not for me at all. Yeah. Sure. That's great yeah. to hear. Love to hear it. It's uh, I it, like I said then. I think that it is an aesthetic choice for this game. Mm-hmm. It chooses to adhere to these like military kind of shootery movies and games aesthetics, but that there is much more happening there that is worth your time if you can, you know, play through the metal the PlayStation One era <laughs> mechanics. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely try it. Do you have anything else to say about Metal Gear Solid before we close things out? I like the video game. It's good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's been, I I feel like surely I've said what I think for over the course of two hours by now. I'm sure there's something I'll wake up tomorrow and be like, fuck, I didn't just, damn it, I didn't say it. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, for now, that'll be enough. All right. Well, that is going to be this episode. You can find my stuff at matthorton.live. AC, where can people find your stuff? Oh my gosh. You can find me at acfachi.com. I got a website, Matt. I did it. I signed up. It, yeah, it exists. And, and, and just how do do you spell that last name real quick? No, no, (laughs) that's acfacci.com. Oh my God. The same in English and in Italian. Hey Chase, what do you want to plug? Um, I mean, we've mentioned it a couple of times, but, uh, I do a podcast called video game Podtimism. It's an optimistic video game variety show. Hell yeah. Uh, we, we talk about games in a way that hopefully sucks a little bit less than the internet has led you to believe everyone talks about video games. <laughs> um, yeah, if, if you want to check that out, uh, you can search it on any sort of podcatcher and it will show up there. Uh, you can also go to podtimism.com if you want to check it out a little bit more directly. Um, we have some links. They have a really cool website yeah. that Chase has like hand built himself. That is true. Big fan of. That's oh. my day job. So I was like, all right, why not build a fun Hell website? Yeah. 
So yeah, you can do that. You can also join us in the Discord. We're also there. We're also yeah. under the same roof yeah. as... That's the big wow, thing, right? Is wow. like Chase is a host of The Worst Garbage uh, Show, and so are we, yeah. which is cool to say. You can find us all on theworstgarbage.online. Very exciting. Correct. There's a link wow. to the Discord there. There's also a link to the Discord on podtimism.com, mm-hmm. I assume. Yes. There's there a link to the Discord on can'tletitgo.gay. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is our website. Great website. As we said in our little surprise bonus episode... We've got Instagram threads and TikTok at can'tletitgo.gay. I was about to say all those links are on can'tletitgo.gay. They can be. You can say it, and then you have several weeks until that has to be true. <laughs> Time. I'll make it happen. <laughs> yes. Just a shout out to say thanks to um, The Worst Garbage yeah. uh, for including us in Totemism. Hey, uh, we're happy to be here. Network. Like I said, come find us. The channel's called Can't Let It Go. It's really easy to find once you get to the Discord. There you go. Thanks to Scout for making our art. Mm-hmm. Hey, Scout is also a worse garbage homie. That is true. Um, and yeah. she has made art for basically everybody <laughs> um, on the network. Shout out to at Pragmatism on Twitter, my friend Ethan for our music. We don't at this time know what we're going to do next time, but you've heard some of her ideas in our bonus episode. Hey. Like we're really excited about it. Here's that. what I can tell you is that whatever we will be talking about, it will be my Roman Empire. <laughs> Wow. Amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Oh, we'll talk to y'all next time. Yeah, I realized, uh, like, right as we were wrapping up that that my nugget was actually that uh, in a different timeline, our show could have been named My Roman Empire. <laughs> because that is that is functionally everybody's like oh what's your roman empire i'm like that's functionally the concept of my that's that's my show <laughs> that's my show <laughs> twg the worst garbage the online